Dive into the start of summer at Whole Foods Market. Check out their summer splash event with sales on fresh organic produce, organic strawberries, and a fan favorite sale on Ben and Jerry's and Talenti. Explore deals on grill-friendly meats like organic air-chilled chicken breast, beef and chicken kebabs, all with no antibiotics ever from our meat department. Plus, grab easy sides from prepared foods and cool off with refreshing drinks. Kick off your summer and shop in store or online at Whole Foods Market today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Grammar Girl here. I'm Mignon Fogarty, and this week I have a tidbit about the saying to read someone the riot act, and a meaty middle about our flexible parts of speech in English. And now on to the tidbit. Has anyone ever read you the riot act? If so, you were likely misbehaving. To read the riot act means to put someone on notice that their behavior is unacceptable, antisocial, just plain wrong. When you were a kid, your mom probably read you the riot act many times. Maybe when you sat on the couch with muddy clothes, or showed up at 4 a.m. when you had a midnight curfew. But is there an actual riot act? And does it have to be read aloud? Yes and yes. The riot act is shorthand for a long law passed by the British Parliament in 1714. Its official name is An Act for Preventing Tumults and Riotous Assemblies, and for the more speedy and effectual punishing the rioters. (laughs) That's a long name. The law was passed at a time of political unrest in England. George I of the House of Hanover ruled the land. Yet he feared rebellion from the old pretender, the exiled James III of the House of Stuart. James's supporters, in the words of the law, had held, quote, many rebellious riots and tumults in diverse parts of this kingdom to the disturbance of the public peace and the endangering of his majesty's person and government, unquote. James didn't care for that, so he encouraged Parliament to pass the Riot Act. The act allowed local officials to declare any gathering of more than 12 people unlawfully, riotously, and tumultuously assembled. If the official made this proclamation loudly, near the rioters, the rioters had one hour to disperse, under penalty of death. The Riot Act continued to be read in England until 1967, when it was repealed. Its use in the sense of to give stern warning continues today, long after the royals of Hanover and Stuart lay underground. But if you want to stop someone's bad behavior, you could still stand in front of them and say this, Our sovereign lord, the king, chargeth and commandeth all persons being assembled immediately to disperse themselves and peaceably to depart to their habitations 
or to their lawful business, upon pains contained in the act made in the first year of King George for preventing tumults and riotous assemblies. God save the king. Who knows, reading them the Riot Act just might work. So that's your tidbit for today. To read the Riot Act means to warn or reprimand soundly. That segment was written by Samantha Enslin, who runs Dragonfly Editorial. You can find her at dragonflyeditorial.com or on Twitter as dragonflyedit. Justin and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. Remember the frustration of trying to memorize vocabulary and grammar rules only to find you couldn't actually use the language in real life? Well, there's a better way to learn. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program with millions of users learning 25 different languages. And you can get it on your desktop or as an app on your phone or tablet. Rosetta Stone immerses you in many ways with its intuitive process. It's really different. You pick up the language naturally, first with words, then the phrases, and then with sentences. Plus, with Rosetta Stone's true accent feature, you'll get feedback on how well you're pronouncing words. It's like having a personal trainer for your accent. Don't put off learning that language. There is no better time then right now to get started. For a very limited time, Grammar Girl listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com grammar. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com grammar today. Imagine earning a degree that prepares you with real skills for the real world. Capella University's programs teach skills relevant to your career so you can apply what you learn right away. Learn how Capella can make a difference in your life at capella.edu. Next, I have a piece by Edwin Battistella about doppelgrammer words. Anthropologist Edward Sapir once wrote, Unfortunately, or luckily, no language is tyrannically consistent. All grammars leak. Sapir was talking about the irregularities of language. For me, this leakiness is especially evident in what I think of as doppelgrammer words. Many of our most common words have come to serve more than a single grammatical role. So a word serving one part of speech will often have a homonym, or grammatical doppelganger, that serves as a different part of speech. Often this arises from what's called functional shift, when we take a noun and make it into a verb, as in to adult or to gym, G-Y-M. This shiftiness makes it hard and perhaps impossible to think of a word as having just one categorization. Here's one example. Recently, a friend told me that her daughter's teacher had told her never to use the word that. She wondered if the advice was legit. It depends, I said, which that we're talking about. This humble four-letter word can serve as a pronoun, adjective, conjunction, or even an adverb. When we say, hand me that, 
the word is functioning as a demonstrative pronoun, referring to something oriented away from the speaker, as opposed to this. But if we say, hand me that book, it's functioning as an adjective, though again indicating orientation. If we say, have you seen the person that was just here, the word is a pronoun again, a relative pronoun, linking the noun person to the clause that was just here. Phew, it can be lots of things. That can also be a straight-up subordinating conjunction, introducing a clause functioning as a noun. For example, I told you that I would be right back. This that is the one that writers often cut to make prose move along more quickly. For example, you could write, I told you I'd be right back, without the that that we had before. And leaving out that in such instances is often preferred on grounds of conciseness. This is what my friend's daughter's teacher was talking about when she said to leave out that. And last but not least, that can even be an intensifying adverb, as in, yes, it is that complicated. Now, we might quibble about these characterizations. Perhaps the adjective that and the demonstrative pronoun that are related. For example, hand me that can be considered a reduced form of hand me that book. But the larger point is pretty clear. Our simplest words serve more than a single function. Grammar leaks, and words have doppelgangers. That isn't the only word that does double or triple or even quadruple duty. The words have, be, and do, for example, can be auxiliary verbs. You may know these as helping verbs because they help the main verb. Or they can be the main verbs themselves. In I have just arrived, the word have helps the main verb arrived. But in I have a question, have is the main verb. Sometimes words are so common that we don't even think to question their status. Take the word up. It's a preposition, right? I walked up the block for a cup of coffee. But up can also be an adverb, as in he jumped up. Or it can be part of a compound verb. We fixed up the house, or she wrote up the report. Up can even be used as an adjective or verb. It was an up day for the markets, or the university has upped tuition again. The stereotypical characterization of up as a preposition doesn't do justice to its flexibility. The flexibility and homonymy of English words is pervasive. Words like yesterday, today, and tomorrow can be nouns or adverbs. Compare tomorrow is another day with I'll finish the work tomorrow. The word who can be an interrogative pronoun, who left, or a relative pronoun, I saw the person who you mentioned. Before and after can be prepositions or subordinating conjunctions. I left after class, or I left after I saw them. Well can be an interjection or an adverb, as in, well, I never would have believed that, and the old car runs well. And of course, you and they can be singular or plural pronouns. So if you expect a word to have a unique meaning or function, you're likely to be disappointed. Words are pressed into service for new functions all the time, and the list of such grammatical doubles goes on and on. Sometimes, though, the status of a word becomes a matter of minor controversy. A librarian I know was called out on social media for using fun as an adjective, 
as in a fun event. Quote, as a librarian, you should know better, unquote, her online scolder remarked. Well, fun has been an adjective for quite some time. Others get annoyed about the shift of the word super from adjective status to intensifying adverb, as in, she was super smart. And a few years ago, the media was abuzz with concerns about the word because being used as a preposition, as in, because reasons, or because science, rather than sticking to its more traditional role as a subordinating conjunction, as in, because language changes. Many people who thought the usage was an abomination when they first heard it were using it regularly within a few weeks, at first maybe ironically, and then routinely. And Oxford Dictionaries lists these uses of because, super, and fun, tagging them for now as informal. So before we get too judgmental about nouns being used as verbs, or adjectives being used as nouns or as adverbs, Let's take a moment to appreciate the flexibility of the parts of speech. As Edward Sapir put it, the multiplicity of ways in which we express ourselves may be a welcome luxuriance or an unavoidable and traditional predicament. Which it is may depend on our temperament. That segment was by Edwin L. Battistella, who teaches linguistics and writing at Southern Oregon University in Ashland. He's the author of the book, Sorry About That, The Language of Public Apology. This segment originally appeared on the Oxford University Press blog and is included here with permission. Finally, thank you to Avidly Listens, who wrote this review on iTunes. I love Grammar Girl and appreciate all the great information. My writing improves every time I listen. It's taken my writing farther, or is that actually further, than ever before. Thanks, Grammar Girl, and I hope you read this on the podcast. <laughs> well, there you go. And thanks for the reminder that it's time to thank people for writing reviews. And I'd use further in that sentence because it's a metaphorical distance and not a physical distance. Thank you also to a faithful listener who wrote that my tips and tricks will greatly advance your writing. And to Coach Cliff who wrote, I'm not so proud to admit that I learned something from her every podcast. You should definitely be proud, Cliff. It's great to keep learning, and I often learn new things as I'm putting the podcast together, whether I write the segments myself or have guest writers like I did this week. So just keep learning. Thanks again for your reviews. They help potential listeners decide to give the show a try, and I really appreciate it. I'm Mignon Fogarty, better known as Grammar Girl. You can find transcripts of this podcast and all my other articles at quickanddirtytips.com. And the ebook version of my book, The Grammar Devotional, is still on sale for just $2.99. So it's a great time to give it a try. That's The Grammar Devotional. And that's all. Thanks for listening. Imagine earning a degree that prepares you with real skills for the real world. Capella University's programs teach skills relevant to your career so you can apply what you learn right away. Learn how Capella can make a difference in your life at capella.edu. Hi, it's Martha Stewart. You know, I spend a lot of time thinking about dirt at 3 a.m., at all hours of the day, really. What people don't know is that not all dirt is the same. You need dirt with the right kind of nutrients. 
New miracle Grow organic raised bed and garden soil is so dense, so full of nutrient-rich, high-quality ingredients. miracle Grow is simply the best – 